Work is no longer just about productivity and metrics. It's about people. And when we focus on positivity, communication, belonging, and development, the numbers take care of themselves. This is Work Human Radio, where we talk to authors, researchers, and business leaders about the latest trends making work more human around the world. Welcome back to Work Human Radio. Uh, Mike, I'm not sure who the host is here. These are all the top HR podcasters. <laughs> it's all hosts, no guests. This is all hosts, no guests. <laughs> We're not even going to ask any questions. We're just going to be hosts and just stand around. No, this promises to be a very, very cool, fun conversation. We're joined today by Lars Schmidt. He's the founder of Amplify and host of the 21st Century HR Podcast. And Lori Rudiman, who's host of Let's Fix Work Podcast. And I don't know if you know about Lori and I, but we hosted one of the truly great HR <laughs> kind of pop-up networking uh-huh. events like almost like a decade ago. Do you yeah, believe that? I do, yeah. People flew in from around the country. From, what was it? What would you call it? It's punk rock <laughs> ATL, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. So, your punk rock days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, back when I was like, I'm going to use this name punk rock, but I'm kind of <laughs> tired. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those great events. So, it was really uh, fantastic. Yeah. And it was nice to hang out with you in Atlanta. Let's not have it be another decade. No, we, yeah. we, have, we need to figure out how to make that happen much, much more regularly. But... Guys, great to have you. Thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having us on. This is great. Yeah, yeah. so you haven't hung out with any of us. Probably. Oh, you probably hung out with Lori a lot. Yeah, Lori and I go back. We've, uh, <laughs> we, we, we've got history. <laughs> Lori pretty much hangs with everybody. She's one of those people in this industry who I really look to to kind of keep a pulse on what's going on. So I think she hangs with everybody. Tell yeah. me more. Updating LinkedIn bio now. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I love getting to know you guys at different industry events over the years. And I'm really thrilled that you guys are here at Work Human. And I want to help our audience know you and what you're working on. So Lars, what are you working on? What's new? What am I working on? What's new? So yeah, my world is uh, kind of multifaceted, which is the way that I like it. So my day job, what I get paid to do is I'm the founder of a company called Amplify and we do recruiting and employer brand strategy and HR executive search. And then I'm also the host of the 21st Century HR podcast, which is a recently launched podcast. It's about a month old that's connected to a uh, Fast Company series that I launched in December on 21st Century HR. So yeah, work stuff, writing stuff, speaking stuff, and most importantly, learning stuff. Yeah. And what about your dad's stuff? You don't want to mention your dad's stuff? Oh, and stuff? dad's stuff. Yeah. yeah. This is, we're working human here. So yeah, this, is, right. this is all angles. Yeah. I'm also a dad to two amazing little girls. And so. How old? Two and four. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. All right. So it's, it's a yeah. magical moment. Yeah, yeah. I got a three-year-old and I'm with you there. They're hilarious. But when they have a meltdown, they have a meltdown. So, Wait, uh, you don't yeah. have a three-year-old. You have a dictator. I do, I do. I <laughs> do. I have a dictator who's very funny. So yeah. like she'll do things that she knows she's not supposed to do. And I'm struggling not to laugh. And she can tell me. <laughs> it's not possible. Like it's not possible when they do that to hold it in. Like you know you're setting a bad example. You know you're encouraging like the bad behavior. But if it's funny, you can't. Yeah, you can't I mean, so she had colored on the wall with crayons. <laughs> and we had told her, you know, not to color on the wall with crayons. I'm like, Emma, did you color on the wall and she's like no and i'm like okay then who didn't she's like molly molly's my dog who's like maybe a foot off the ground and i'm like wow that's weird because the crayons are your exact height and molly doesn't have fingers to hold <laughs> that's what separates us from the animals Great. you can't hold crayons so you um, want all csi on her yeah no i tried to, <laughs> i tried to give her the opportunity to apologize and say she did it nope she still says 
that Molly colored on the wall and put Molly in timeout. Oh, and all right. Throwing Molly under the bus. Uh, well, it's funny. Character. Like all these like lessons that I taught her back when like she needed to hear them, like don't eat rocks. That was a lesson that I tried to drill into her head because every toddler gets into like picking up rocks and whatever. And I got her these polished rocks when I was away one time and and I brought them home and I caught her putting them in her mouth one day. I'm like, no, don't eat rocks. So we'll be like hanging around at the grocery store or somewhere with uh, my mother-in-law or something. And we'll all be laughing like, oh, we're having a great time. She'll be like, yeah, don't eat rocks. (laughs) <laughs> just randomly out of nowhere hey we don't eat rocks i'm like yes that's right so we question don't for eat. you mike yeah. uh, why did you buy your daughter rocks because yeah. she loves them that's a very very valid well, question i should have bought her ones that are too big that you can't put in your mouth but i don't i didn't think she was gonna sit there putting rocks in her mouth here's a bag of chocolate rocks but then yeah. at the on the other side of it if she is eating rocks and she does hurt her teeth those teeth are falling out in oh, a couple right. years anyway yeah, so. absolutely so audience oh, if you're listening to this conversation what we're really doing here is is a, this is planned and designed. We're demoing what it's like to be human at work, right? I mean, that's what this is all about. You're allowed yes. and are encouraged to have these kinds of conversations. Right. Don't buy your children rocks, but you have these kinds of conversations. <laughs> Lori, what are you up to these days? Well, I'm up to this. I mean, this is just enough right here in my <laughs> life. I am doing two things right now. I'm doing my podcast, which is Let's Fix Work, and I'm trying to talk to smart people with good that's ideas. Why I haven't been on it. Yeah, (laughs) smart people with good ideas about fixing the world of work. And I think we fix work by fixing ourselves. And if we deprioritize corporate interests and really try to improve our relationships, improve our quality of lives, improve our well-being, we can remove ourselves from the drama of work and focus on what really matters. And then when stuff hits the fan at work, it's not that big of a deal because we have some balance. We have some perspective. The second thing I'm doing is trying to write a book. And I have made this attempt several times in my life. I have one book already. This second book, though, I want to be a real book, like one that matters. And that's really vulnerable for <laughs> not, me, right? Not a pamphlet. Not a pamphlet, not an <laughs> e-book. No, I mean, you know, I have a Kindle author and an Amazon author page, but I want something that's substantial and represents my body of work. And so I'm working with an agent. I have publisher meetings starting on Friday and all next week in New York. Wow. This stuff is happening for me. So I'm kind of living the dream. And it's scary because I don't want to screw it up. No. But I'm not going to screw head. it up. Get I'm not going to screw it up. I'm awesome. Come on now. Yeah, you know yeah. what you're talking about. I do. And I'm charming. And look at how gregarious I am. So why wouldn't they write me a big check, right? <laughs> Lots of zeros. Uh-huh. But it is to actually have a dream is one thing. But to act on your dream and to do your dream is another thing. And then to be faced with the fact that someone could say no. Holy smokes, that is daunting. But if I don't do it, I'm going to regret it. So I'm absolutely doing it. There are so many people out there that they have a dream. There's something that they want to do. Like, oh, I've always wanted to write a book. I've always wanted to take that trip to whatever. And they never do it because they never get off the couch. They never take that first step. That's right. Well, you know, I originally went to school and thought I would be a lawyer. And I always wrote. I can see that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fair-minded. I'm I'm judgy. That's what I'm really good at. So I just want to be a judge. I did. I just want to judge people. And then I thought the world doesn't need any more lawyers. And so I went into human resources, but I loved writing. I love fiction writing. Turns out I'm a horrible short story and novel writer. You know, I can't write for crap, but I'm great (laughs) at writing about the world that I see. So I'm a great contemporaneous writer. I can do that and just apply to the world of human resources. I hit my niche. I hit my stride. I know what I'm supposed to do in the world. 
So to say to the universe, I want to do it, but on a bigger platform and help people is really crazy. But if I can do it, that means anybody can do it. So that's what I'm really testing. I'm testing the ability of people to follow their dreams. So if it happens for me, it can happen to anybody. And you can stand behind that too. So once that book is done, yeah. you can... That's always going to be a part of something that you did. Absolutely. And then you build from there because right away they want to go, what's your next book? What are you doing now? I'm like, cheapers. I just finished this. Hey, all empires start somewhere. They do. Well, Well, they start with eating rocks. That's what I heard. (laughs) So so I I do a lot with with my local Boy Scout troop. And to be an Eagle Scout is a big time commitment. And it's really tough for some of these kids when they're 16, 17. You got to get it before you're 18. It's 21 merit badges. It's all sorts of service projects and and whatnot. But you tell these kids, you put the effort in, you will always be able to look back on that and say, it's not a past tense. Like I was an Eagle Scout. You always are an Eagle Scout. Absolutely. My high school boyfriend was an Eagle Scout. And to this day, and he's a professor now, he keeps it on his CV. It pays off in his network and fellow people who appreciate it and also fellow Eagle Scouts really, it's part of a network, a part of a community. And it does represent sacrifice, focus, commitment. And I think if you can instill that at a young age, that's great. My parents raised me like I was raised by wolves. So I have Mm. none of that. So I have developed all of these abilities to focus and write and do what I do now as an adult. And Man, give your kids some life skills is all I'm saying. (laughs) Well, watching the Jungle Book on the movies told me that it's okay to let wolves raise your children. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everything will work out. out. (laughs) You'll have songs and dances and everything will work out. You eat bananas all day long. It's great. (laughs) It's just fantastic. But Laura, I think I know you know this, but what you're going to find is that ultimately when that book's published, yeah, you'll feel good about that for a little bit. But what you're going to look back upon most fondly is the journey of getting there. Yeah, I hope so. And that, I think that's one of the most important lessons humans can learn is that, you know, I always think of the story of Chris Everett when she first won Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. She said, I celebrated it for a couple hours and then I got to work to win the next one. That's right. And that's, that's right. what I really revel in. And, and that's an important lesson I think all humans need to understand is, yeah, it's good to strive for something and achieve something big. But what you're going to find is the process of getting there was, was truly rewarding. That's yeah. right. I have a business coach. His name is Jesse Itzler. And he's just been phenomenally important in changing my life. And he is one to say, do not rest on your laurels. Great. You just ran a marathon. Great. You just finished a book, whatever it is. What's next? Because life isn't spent well looking backwards. It's spent well looking forward. You have to have goals. You have to have a reason to get out of bed. And Jesse's absolutely right. So while I am excited about writing this book, you're right. It's like, what's next? Well, collaborations with my friend Lars. I mean, we think about doing stuff all the time. We, we got to get this going, man. I know. You know? I know. We may have to uh, bring back career hangout from yeah, the, uh, the olden <laughs> days. Tell them that story. Yeah, how we so used to work together. Lori and I, we, uh, I don't remember where we met. Uh, we probably met on Twitter originally. And then I think we met at a Sherm conference like way back in the day. And then Wait, I was how working. did we meet? Uh, Do you remember what I said to you? I I don't. Where's my bar? (laughs) Lars was actually being interviewed by somebody because he was all the rage because always Lars Schmidt, he's from NPR, blah, blah, blah. And I grabbed him and I said, I want to get to know you and I want to work with you. Do you remember that? Yeah, actually I do. That's what led us to Career Hangout. So that was was in San Francisco at a conference. And I think you said something like this. You're the next Chris Hoyt or something. (laughs) And Chris was there and Chris was like, wait, wait, what what is, who is this guy? Um, But yeah, then we, so it was like right when Google Hangouts came out. By the way, everybody listening to this is like, who the heck is Chris Hoyt? No, nobody's saying that. Everybody knows who Chris Hoyt is. I don't know who Chris Hoyt is. Awesome awesome. guy. You should get to know him. (laughs) He's fantastic. Um, Yeah, we were like, Google Hangouts just came out and we're like, we should do like a show on Google Hangouts because that's what you do with brand new technology as soon as it comes out. You break it. You break it. And we broke it. 
and uh, we, <laughs> it wasn't hard. We had, a, we, we had a nice four episode run uh-huh. of a uh, career hangout, uh, affectionately known as Cho. Cho. And um, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we learned how not ready for primetime Google Hangouts was. Did, oh, uh, were you promoting it on your Google Plus pages? <laughs> oh, we were. Yeah. yeah I got we an email were. yesterday saying you have to pull all your data off by March 31st if but you want to keep it. What data? What, what data the, is the What would you? Oh, yeah. my yes. friends. Yeah. <laughs> so we met doing that. And it's our shared passion, I think, for employee experience, for yeah. people having a better experience at work and for better leadership practices, better management practices, a new way of doing human resources. This is what is like the foundation of our friendship. That and we just like cool music and yeah. uh, hanging out and tattoos and all kinds of stuff we have in common. You know, uh, so it's, that's all, true. it's all good. Well, that's Lars true. is everywhere. I see Lars at every conference. He's um, opening up car dealerships now. You know? I, yeah, I've got uh, my secret is I have a couple of doppelgangers. So well, like, I, I don't you have might to be have everywhere a twin. once. Yeah. You know, Actually, I saw the prestige. Yeah. You have a twin. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. If no one saw the prestige. <laughs> Oops. Well, you ruined the movie. The ironic thing is I live in you know Northern Virginia now. I used to live in L.A. and I was a recruiter in L.A. And there is another recruiter in L.A. named Lars Schmidt. Oh, that poor guy. Who was a recruiter at Red Bull. And like people get us. <laughs> confused like oh you used to work at Red Bull I'm like no no that was the other Lars Schmidt recruiter in LA well it's common so yeah, yeah of course yeah. <laughs> of course it's so common that yeah. your Twitter handle is at Lars you were one of the first people to get on the platform uh, oh, there's there's yeah. back we don't, have, we don't have enough time to get <laughs> oh, to that okay. now, so, but uh, well, we have friends basically yes, yes. Think, yeah. that, that was that was a, an acquired handle um, oh yeah. you're one of those kind of secret guys. deals yeah. <laughs> yeah I know people I know people who know people who are that, behind people, and that's uh, how that works. yeah, we had one of our staff sell Brian Morgan, who works mm-hmm. for us. He is up on the Twitter bandwagon, and his handle is at Brian Morgan. He said it wasn't always Brian Morgan; there was some other guy that had it, but he basically paid the guy like nine hundred bucks. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. There's a price to be paid. Yeah, somebody took my friend Animal's Twitter handle, like, like they stole like it. the Muppet. Animal? Yeah, like the Muppet Animal. He was Animal, <laughs> and they stole it from him but because he didn't have two-factor authentication and then sold oh. it back to him. Oh. That was the only way he could oh, get Oh, he ended back. up buying it back. He bought it yeah, back. Yeah, I knew he got wow. hacked today. Yeah. Wow. I don't remember So this, is, this world is sketchy. That's why I prefer to work human and not work Twitter. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, Twitter is really good for conferences. If you follow the work human hashtag, you see everything that's happening on here. And it's also good for breaking news, but everything else Ugh, garbage. Just garbage. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, Lars, what have you been? I'm going to take over as podcast host now. What yeah. have you been seeing here at Work Human? This is your first one this is, that yeah. you've enjoyed, and that is memorable. The other Lars has been here, but. Uh, yeah, he's been here. He's, he's a veteran. Oh, he's got yeah. these Red Bull <laughs> stories. He's great. It's amazing. Yeah. No, it's been great. Like, I've been following, obviously, I've been following your attendance here. I've been following the speakers and keynotes of the last couple of years. And so, you know, you were like, you need to come. I was yeah. like, I do need to come. I'm glad I made work human. You made work. Yes, exactly. Exactly. As you were building this as part of your LFR empire. Totally. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's been great. I like the focus on, I mean, everything comes back to humans. Everything comes back to humanity. And I think the field of human resources generally can often feel more like resources than human. Right. And a lot of the other, I mean, we go to a lot of events and a lot of them are kind of structured that way. You don't hear the conversation around focusing on people's well-being and their emotions. And, you know, I'm looking out of the booth at a gratitude bar, which is great for radio because you can't see it. But there's a gratitude (laughs) bar, and that's baked into this event. And you just don't see that at other events. And so that, to me, is a really big... And from the opening keynote yesterday, you know, through today, like that theme has been embedded in everything. And everybody is very welcoming. Everybody strikes up conversations. There's no 
awkward people sitting at a table by themselves. Like nobody's sitting by themselves. Everybody is sitting and meeting people. And I think that's a really special energy that this event has that you don't see a lot of other ones. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I think for me, one of the nice things about this conference is that there is a business case to be made for putting employees at the center of every conversation, for putting humans at the center of every business conversation. And you can make the case that the better you treat your employees and the more you work human, the better your business results are, right? And then this conference has shown that with data. I mean, that's interesting to me as well, because a lot of times we have data thrown at us, but we can see the narrative unfold. The other thing I like is that I went to a panel the other day where this woman, Maya Ragu, said, you know, your employees are curious about compensation, not because they want to sue you, but because they want to know. So if they're asking questions, you don't have to bring in a lawyer, just answer them honestly. Right. And so that kind of language is a different language, but it's a better language for 21st century HR professionals to hear. Yeah, I agree. And I think that we have a tendency of over-engineering things in HR, and we have for a long time. And I think the more we do that, the more it strips away the humanity of what we do. And we become more about bureaucracy and process and less about people and connections and emotion. And that's the reality. People are complicated. And if you don't have an organization that really puts that into perspective and caters to that, you're not going to be a very successful organization. And I think having the data, like anecdotally, like we feel that, right? I think you can just based on our experience, it's kind of like, okay, that makes sense. But then especially in the opening keynote yesterday, having the data to back that up and actually show, like when you show gratitude in the workplace, when you show thanks and you have peer-to-peer recognition systems, that actually improves tenure, it improves engagement, and that's significant. So being able to pair like what you know in your heart is right with the data that actually validates it, I think is really important. Yeah, I mean, and we get really excited about this. We have the Work Human Analytics and Research Institute. We have these PhDs that are cranking through data of massive companies. So as we've continued to grow and get more of these clients like LinkedIn, over the time, we've been able to get even more data. I just talked to Christina Hall, who's the chief people officer for LinkedIn for World Happiness Day, which is today. Are you happy? I am. Oh, nice. I, I'm actually very happy right yeah, now. Yeah, so. very good. Well, we're here, so, so that makes sense. I mean, yeah, right. so, that helps. Yeah, but so. she said that 83% of their employees got an award. You know, we had a nice conversation of Silicon Valley is very tough in order to keep your employees. And everybody thinks that in order to poach people or whatever, all you need is just throw money around. And what, through the data, through our system, the gratitude, the recognition has done a tremendous impact for them in terms of retaining their employees and keeping them happier. And it's basically logical if you think about it. Like if you show appreciation for someone, they're more likely to stay around. Yeah, that's pretty logical. That's true. Yes. That's but a we fact. have to have the data to back it up. <laughs> yeah. so. Data for common sense. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, we all support the work human movement. We all agree that there's still work to be done to continue to foster that movement through our workspaces. But while I have both of you here, I also want to look ahead a bit. As I said, Laura, I look to you to kind of help me keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening in this industry and more importantly, where it's going. What is your take on like the next big thing? What should we be paying attention to? Yeah, you know, five years ago, work human was on the forefront of this idea of working human, but something else has emerged in our workforce, and that is a distributed workforce. So right now, when we talk about working human, we often talk about FTEs only, full-time employees, and more and more, our work is going to get done through contractors, through collaborators, through different ways of getting stuff done. And it is unfair in this country that we have dual citizenship. You're either a full-time employee or you're not. You're either someone who's on an employment track or you're kind of the 
riffraff in a company. We just, you know, eh, you can kind of come into our building, but you can't come to our holiday party. <laughs> that is going to change, I believe. We're going to have different conversations about the world of work. And because we're going to a distributed workforce, HR often says, I don't want to deal with those contractors. I don't want to deal with the consultants. HR is going to have to focus on the entire talent pool, the entire talent chain. And then we're going to need to work with government agencies to really think about things like benefits, uh, wellness. We need to think about retirement contributions because if you don't work for a company, I know so many contractors who do not make retirement contributions because they're paying such a high level in taxes because they have to own and manage their own Mm -hmm. business. So this is a complicated issue. But if we really believe in the gig economy and we think this is the future of work, this is where it's going and this is what we're going to be talking about. Lars, what do you think? Yeah, I think I'm going to echo everything you said because you probably (laughs) said it much better than I would. But I think the theme of this event is working human. And I think I'm a technology nerd. I'm a tech nerd. And if you read the trade press in our space, you're going to think that robots are replacing recruiters and technology is going to basically overhaul and replace a lot of how HR and recruiting works. And I don't see it that way at all. I think that there's a hype bubble around things like AI and blockchain and bots. And I think all of, maybe not blockchain, but I think AI can definitely be transformative in HR, but we're five years away from that really being embedded well within our platforms. To me, I think we're going to be able to use this technology to offload some of the tasks that don't really require empathy and critical thought and things that humans actually bring. And it's going to allow humans to be more kind of catered to the humanity in their business, more developed focus on kind of one-to-one connections and support and empathy with their teams because they're not going to have the same workload they have today. They're going to be able to offload some of that to machines and technology. And so, especially to Lori's point, the nature of work is becoming much more complicated. The workforce is going to look quite a bit different. And whether it's generational, whether it's gig workers, project workers, fluid workers, FTEs, it's becoming more and more complicated. And I think technology would allow HR teams of the future to really focus more on catering to all of those employees rather than having a fear of being replaced by technology. Now, did both of you listen to Cat Cole's keynote this morning do Do not put me on the spot yeah (laughs) (laughs) did i look at the twitter feed sure i did but i've seen cat cole speak and she's just genius she's just brilliant so what were i was gonna say what was uh i thought it was an intriguing presentation i was gonna ask what you thought was the the most important lesson drawn from it that maybe we should attend next time (laughs) (laughs) well i will say so i did want to build on the whole ai thing yeah you know you think ai is going to replace everything well if you think ai is going to replace the human component just go into mcdonald's and try to use one of the new kiosks instead of like going to the front and just asking Ugh. what you want. It is just a process. Yeah. Like, and then what if you will need an extra packet of ketchup? You got to go through the whole process again. It's much easier. You know who's done th- that right? Panera. Panera oh. has a great kiosk system. And I have to give them props because then the people behind the counter can actually focus on making my food and not <laughs> screwing that up. And I think yeah. service delivery has gotten better at Panera since they put in those kiosks. Well, yeah. if you ever talk to Panera, please ask them why the kids' grilled cheese costs $9 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know why. They don't keep that autumn squash soup all year round because it's the only thing I really like on that menu. So, yeah. I think this is the problem. Like, when we talk about future of work, right? The narrative around future of work is dominated by analysts and pundits and bloggers and influencers and not connected to the actual practitioners doing the work. And so, all these conversations around technologies that are going to replace recruiting and things that are going to happen, it's not from the perspective of people actually doing the job. And oftentimes it's very disconnected with what their reality is. It's written by people who've never been an HR business partner. They've never been a recruiter. They've never actually sat in that seat. 
So to them, they get enamored with the capabilities of what technology can do and limitless potential for what it can do. But are we there now? No. And that's the issue is I think people read trade press and they're like, oh, well, this is going to happen. Like, no, that's not going to happen. Like the person authoring that piece has never actually sat in your seat. <laughs> they don't know what your world is like. And maybe that's something that may happen, but we're not there yet. I always wonder where we're going to get budget for all this technology because we barely have budget to like do team shirts at a team event. <laughs> right. So where are we going to get this fancy budget for all this AI? You know, uh, maybe by cutting all this headcount. I don't know. But the way corporate America works is you allocate today for, you know, two to three years out and we're not creating budgets right now for all this technology that's promised. So right. I just think there's this procurement cycle too that's disconnected from what these pundits and thought leaders and analysts are projecting. And maybe at some point it'll all converge. But Lars, you're right. There is a big disconnect and it's not reality. Yeah. We are about out of time. I do want to ask Lori one last question. At the top of the show, you mentioned uh, about removing the drama from the workplace. Oh, like, yeah. I have Cy Wakeman we... in my brain. How do we do that? How do we <laughs> get her out? <laughs> we well, humans. We love drama. Right, right. I don't have a really great answer to that. But I think if you fix work by fixing yourself and you're focused on your own internal issues and you prioritize relationships you prioritize fixing your well-being, your money, all of your own stuff. You take the focus away from what others are doing and you're looking internally and you're looking at your own deficits and your own capabilities and where you should be optimizing your potential, right? Instead of wasting all this I'm trying not to swear, wasting all of this effort <laughs> at your dumb job that's just going to break your heart over and over again. Maybe take that time and energy and apply it to being a coach or spending more time with your children. Jason Lauritsen told me that when he was a leader in corporate America, people would come to him and complain about their jobs. And he would say, go volunteer, go do something else. Don't worry about your job so much. And it was a really great lesson for me in that focus on what matters and all the other stuff kind of figures itself out. And I know that sounds trite, but there's example after example of people who deprioritize the stuff that happens at work and they double down at home. They double down on their children. They double down on getting over that family of origin trauma and their lives are infinitely better. Laura, is there anything to add there? I would say buy Lori's book. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my friend. Yes. yes. Suck start, that with, start with the pamphlet and ebook and move your way I to the I got that. Yeah. Well, the, as we close here, the, I'll just share what was most impactful to me from this conversation was just don't buy rocks. <laughs> yeah. so. No, what should be most impactful is don't eat rocks. develop friendships within your industry and within yes. your work community. Lars and I met through work, but we've become real friends. Yeah. And I think without friendships, without relationships, there's no meaning. Connect so. with people and work human is a good place to do that. Yeah. That's one of the things that we love out of this event, that people have made these little communities that we don't have anything to do with, that you never know when someone can help you. So... Talk to people, find out their story, and let's all help each other. Love yeah. it. Well said. You're here. All right. Before we go, Lars, should anyone need to connect with you? You know, this Lars. Yes. Uh, yes. This one. How, how do they find you? So they can find me. My websites are uh, AmplifyTalent.com and 21stCenturyHR.com for the podcast and Fast Company series. And then I'm on LinkedIn, obviously, as a recruiting guy, and Twitter at Lars. All right. And Lori, how do people find you? Well, I have a high Google search result rank for I hate HR. So they can always do that. Um, you can find me at Lori Rudiman if you can spell it. But I have a hack. You can go to worklifecats.com because I'm all about work, life, and cats. Mm -hmm. So worklifecats.com and you can find my website and all my information. All right. Lori Rudiman, host of the Let's Fix Work podcast. And Lars Schmidt, founder of Amplify and host of the 21st Century HR podcast. Lars, Lori, my friends, great to have you. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. 
If you want to see business leaders, culture keepers, and industry experts come together to share the latest research and ideas for making work more human, you need to be at Work Human Live in 2020, May 11th through the 14th in San Antonio. Visit workhuman.com to see the full lineup of speakers and reserve your spot in the number one conference of 2020. 